All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses through the open doors. The harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. We meet them at the doorway on the stair along the passages they come and go. Impalpable impressions on the air, a sense of something moving to and fro. There are more guests at the table than the hosts invited. The illuminated hall is thronged with quiet, inoffensive ghosts, as silent as the pictures on the wall. The stranger at my fireside cannot see the forms I see, nor hear the sounds I hear. He but perceives what is, while unto me, all that has been is visible and clear. We have no title deeds to house or lands. Owners and occupants of earlier dates from graves forgotten stretch their dusty hands and hold in mortmain still their old estates. The spirit world around this world of sense floats like an atmosphere and everywhere wafts through these earthly mists and vapors dense, a vital breath of more ethereal air. Our little lives are kept in equipoise by opposite attractions and desires. The struggle of the instinct that enjoys and the more noble instinct that aspires. These perturbations, this perpetual jar of earthly wants and aspirations high, come from the influence of an unseen star, an undiscovered planet in our sky. And as the moon from some dark gate of cloud throws o'er the sea a floating bridge of light, across whose trembling planks our fancies crowd into the realm of mystery and night. So from the world of spirits there descends a bridge of light, connecting it with this, or whose unsteady floor that sways and bends wanders our thoughts above the dark abyss. That's a poem called Haunted Houses by Henry Wadsford Longfellow. Oh, I thought you'd written that. No. I was going to say that's really impressive, Alicia. Yeah, I wish I had that skill. However, I just wanted to find a good kind of spooky, but also it's optimistic, I suppose. That's the tone nicely and also uh, kind of <laughs> introduces some of the themes, themes we want to discuss today. Yeah. In today's episode all about Halloween. Ooh. I feel like last week about climate change was probably the most serious episode we've ever done. Yes. And this one, we wanted to lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> it's a little bit frivolous. And it's just the things that have been on our mind recently because we're big Halloween fiends. We do love Halloween. Well, that's a relatively new thing for me, but I feel comfortable putting myself in there. Mm-hmm. I like pumpkins. Yes, we made pumpkin pie. We're going to carve pumpkins. And we've been watching scary movies every single night. <laughs> well, not all of them have been scary, but they've all been... Thematic. Thematically scare. <laughs> I don't know if that's the correct use of the word. Halloween movies, basically. We did an episode a couple of years ago now about holidays. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a reprise of that, but focused just on this one. Because I feel like, if I recall correctly in that episode about holidays in general, we kind of brushed over Halloween a little bit. Mm-hmm. But in those two years since, we've fallen right into the, the trick-or-treat mold. Yeah, we are big, like, you call yourself autumnal Aaron sometimes. <laughs> we just, this season is so lovely. It's very unique. There's yes. no other time of the year. Like, summer, you get, like, those days in fall and spring where it's like summer. Mm-hmm. But there's no days in winter or summer or fall where it's like fall. Good point. Because... The leaves. It's wonderful. Uh, Halloween. Very cool holiday. Yeah. A lot of history. A lot of people still celebrated today. There's a lot of holidays which have fallen by the wayside and like are observed, but they're not really celebrated. Good point. But Halloween, pretty much everyone gets into it in some way or another. Let's talk about the inception of Halloween. Yes. So it began about 2,000 years ago as a Celtic tradition. I'm going to talk about the lineage of like Halloween evolving from 
the Celts to basically North American Halloween as we know it. Okay. However, as we know, there's like the Day of the Dead, and there's like a lot of adjacent festivals yeah, from around the from world. Different cultures. Yeah. So I have a couple of those I wanted to mention. Yeah. So one of them is called. I'm probably going to butcher pronunciation, but it's called like Chuseok. Okay. And it's the Korean uh, oh, okay. festival. Yeah. And it's t- North and South Korea. It's typically held on the 15th day of the eighth lunar month, which okay. correlates to September or October. So mm-hmm. it's about this time. And it's a three-day festival in which the living give thanks to the dead for their part in the harvest. Mm. And that's a theme across cultures, which is something yeah. that jumped out to me immediately, whether it be Korea, Mexico, the Celts, some cultures in Africa. It's like always at this time of year, mm-hmm. the equinox or so, the harvest, it's like there's, and with the, as you mentioned, the Day of the Dead, Dia de los Muertos, November 1st to 2nd, that's when the spirits of the dead return. That's kind yeah. of what that tradition is. So it's like you're honoring the past and your ancestors. Mm-hmm. And another part of that festival is cleaning the graves, mm-hmm. like beautifying all the graves and everything, which is, I, th- I think, a really nice idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, across cultures, it's this idea that in, for this one brief period, the dead can, the worlds of the dead and the living kind of... Yeah, the boundaries are kind of melted away. Yeah. That's almost exactly what the Celts believed. It was, the festival was called Samhain, and it was, it actually held on October 31st. On their calendar, what we know as November 1st was their new year. So okay. they thought because it was the transition between years, that's when all of the dead would come back to life, and they would be able to, they would often hold these festivals where their version of priests would connect with the dead and make fortunes and predictions for the coming harvest season for the coming year because they really when you're like about to dive into winter you need some hope Mm -hmm. so often the priests would give these predictions of oh it'll be a bountiful harvest it will be a good winter there won't be any deaths and so on another reason why i think a lot of these festivals celebrate the dead is because this is a time of year when a lot of people would unfortunately pass away as the summer was coming to an end and the cold would set in, people would be more prone to illness. And yeah, so that was the Celtic festival. It was celebrated. People would have bonfires. This is began about 2,000 years ago. I'm going to talk about kind of about a thousand year period here. Okay. So it's not all happening at the same time, but a lot of the traditions were people would wear animal masks when they're out at night so that the ghost would think that they were just another ghost ah. because they didn't want to be recognized as like who they were. So they would wear masks and that's where dressing up comes from, which is kind of cool. And they would also leave like offerings and treats on their doorsteps for the dead who are passing by. And then, yeah, the bonfire thing of like, they wanted to, it was this, it was kind of funny to me because it's like, they want to invite the spirits, but they also were like, wanting to kind of keep them at a distance with yes. the fire. Uh-huh. So that's where a lot of, like, that tradition evolved into jack-o'-lanterns and, like, lights on porches and stuff to kind of ward off the spirits, but also light their path, basically. It sounds like it has a little bit of the New Year's Eve vibe. It is very Currently. New Year's eve because, mm-hmm. I mean, they thought it really was their New Year's yes, Eve, so yes. it's kind of cool. I, read, I was reading a, a piece the other day, this is a little bit unrelated, but it was talking about how perhaps... We should change calendars to one that's more, more, um, more about the earth. Honestly, more, more that's structured around the harvest and the seasons and everything. That makes so and much I thought, sense. I, I've never devoted any time to thinking about it, but I like when people question things like that. And yeah. I think it's a neat idea. 
Yeah, because you think about it, it's like winter is November to February, March. It's like that's just, that should either be the end or the beginning. It shouldn't be this weird like, <laughs> The start and the end. Yeah, the start and the end. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of dreadful if you're not a winter fan. I'm not really a winter fan. This Celtic festival was, it existed for a really long time. But then when the Romans conquered that part of the world, they combined a lot of Roman holidays with wherever they were kind of conquering traditions there. So the Romans brought in these two other celebrations, like their version of the Day of the Dead, and also celebration of the goddess of fruit. So that's where bobbing for apples kind of came from. Ah. Yeah. I also, okay, I'm going to fast forward probably to like 1800s when a lot of people were immigrating to North America from... Ireland and such. When the first immigrants came, they brought a lot of these festivals with them because they were very oppressed like from celebrating these kind of more pagan celebrations when they were in Europe. But then when they moved, they had a little bit more freedom because they were kind of on their own, less pressures to conform to Christianity, which was the dominant religion. And they still obviously were very like, they were made a lot more compatible with Christian beliefs. So a lot of people would celebrate Um, Because November 1st is All Saints Day. So they tried to move the Day of the Dead to the next day, to be November 2nd. Okay. Um, But then these people who moved, they were like, no, we're going to call it All Hallows' Eve. And then they wanted to keep it on October 31st. And they kept celebrating it. It was mainly kind of the same way of just like wearing masks when you're out, leaving food out. But then it evolved in Europe and in North America at the same time of like on that night, people would go around like people who were living in poverty and beg for what they called soul cakes. Okay. So people would give out soul cakes to the poor in exchange for them praying for the souls of their loved ones who have died. But then kids kind of caught on. They were like, well, we want some soul cakes. And they would kind of go around and (laughs) it just kind of evolved. That's how like trick-or-treating was formed. And then... In the 1800s, the potato famine happened and a bunch of people immigrated to America. And Halloween became, there was a lot of traditions surrounding matchmaking, which I found interesting. Um, And this kind of evolved in the 1800s. And that's where a lot of the images that we associate with Halloween came from. So young girls would like get together on Halloween and they would stand in mirrors with candles and they would hope (laughs) that the the face of their future lover would appear behind them. Yikes. I was like, if your face appeared in a mirror and then I met you someday, there'd be a 0% chance that I would be um, approaching you because I'd think you were a ghost. But anyway, so there's that. They would also bob for apples and something about like, there's different traditions, but like if they got, like they would engrave people's initials on them, stuff like that. There was a lot of like burning of different like chestnuts but they would engrave the initials of all their suitors. Okay. And then some of them is like, whichever one burned last or whichever one burned first would be like who they're meant to be with. There's a lot of those like spooky things of like faces and mirrors, like witches and stuff. And that is surrounding matchmaking on Halloween, which has kind of fallen by the wayside. We don't really associate Halloween with love anymore. <laughs> no, I, I, I think that's a good thing because there's, yeah. not really room for, there's not room for both. No. <laughs> Let's discuss the modern Halloween traditions, yeah. the current ones, which I can... Let's list them. There's trick-or-treating, okay. obviously. Yes. There's costumes, 
decorating, mm -hmm. bobbing for apples, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. carving pumpkins. Mm -hmm. You might be fortunate enough to go to a haunted house or a corn maze. Mm -hmm. I've never been to a haunted house, but yeah. tried my first corn maze last year. Mm -hmm. Very fun. Yes. It's a fully consumerized holiday. I don't think anyone would disagree <laughs> with that. Like no. it's, it's fully um, sold to us by Nestle and the chocolate. Yeah. The chocolate is. Literally, like there's nothing you can do on Halloween that isn't consumption-based for the most part. Besides, I suppose, going to a corn maze or a haunted house. But even then, you're usually paying. I thought it would be fun if we kind of brainstormed some ideas which would make infuse Halloween with a bit more of that spiritual significance. Mm -hmm. Because right now, it's a fully consumerized and a fully, I would say, secular holiday. Mm -hmm. yeah. In that people dress up and read stories and watch movies about vampires, ghosts, werewolves, mm -hmm. but no one really believes it. It's just kind of a funny thing, even for kids, for, for the most part. Yeah. So the first idea I had, maybe a little bit radical, mm -hmm. is just merging it with Thanksgiving. And this might go along with that calendar mm -hmm. shuffle that yeah. I was talking about. I didn't really include that in my thought, but if we kind of place the emphasis on a harvest rather than mm -hmm. candy, then that gets the chocolatiers out of here. Yes. And also gives it a bit more of a DIY sense because, as you mentioned, with the, what do you call them, soul cakes? Soul cakes, yeah. Those could be homemade. Mm-hmm. And the mask could be homemade perhaps as well. Yeah. And Caramel it, apples. Yeah, and it, and it could be a multi-day celebration. Because mm -hmm. there's Thanksgiving and Halloween. And there's a lot of crossover here anyway because at least here in Canada, Thanksgiving mm -hmm. comes a few weeks before Halloween, but it's the same aesthetic. That's true. Hay, pumpkins... It's the same kind of same weather. Yeah. I feel like you could do either multi-day or just same day and it actually be a holiday because we don't get school or work off. Oh, that's true. But it could be like Thanksgiving dinner during the day. You make your pies, you carve your pumpkins, mm. and then you go trick-or-treating or you go to the Halloween celebration on your block. Yes. One cool thing that I really found about Halloween or like a thought that I had was it's like the only community-based thing that exists anymore. Holiday? That's like, yeah, that's like universally community-based. And that was intentional. Like it was a push to make it community-based in like the 50s or so because it was still very pagan and like a lot of witchcraft and like kind of darker things were like involved. And also kids really liked vandalizing things because they were allowed to wear masks. So there was like a push to make it a lot more community-based, a little bit brighter. But I think that's kind of cool. Like it's just the only... Holiday where you're going to, like, sometimes it's the only time you know who your neighbors are. Oh, no, definitely. And, like, the, the image I see of Halloween is kids in a suburb. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's so synonymous with North America, because mm -hmm. that's where the suburb kind of originated, or at least in its modern form, like, that's yeah. where suburbia is. Mm -hmm. But I didn't grow up in suburbia at all. Let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about our own Halloween experiences growing up. So you're right. The only time I really knocked on a neighbor's door or, like, anyone in my town... Mm -hmm. was to get candy from them, trick-or-treating. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, we couldn't even walk around. We had to drive, yeah. which is really lame. It does they don't show suck. that in the movies. Did you walk? Um, it, it was a mixture. I had a lot of different Halloween experiences. The driving, yeah, it's, it really kind of takes the air out of it. Yeah. So you'd be like, drive to a road, do this road, or you'd be like driving, be like, oh, should we stop for that house? I don't know. Yeah. Because, yeah. They're so spaced out. The I think it'd be cool, as you were saying, with... The, the Thanksgiving during the day or like the day before. But then it's like when you're saying 
you had to drive to all the houses or whatever. Yes. It could be more of a community thing. Maybe everyone brings their candy donation to a central location Ooh. and sits in a circle or like kind of there's in a field or whatever. You Maybe. can still do trick or treating, but it's a bit more. It everyone's be, there. It could be a bit a big cornucopia in the middle yeah. of the town. One thing I always enjoyed doing as a kid. I mean, we were just discussing the other day how there's always like rumors and exaggeration among kids about how much of a candy haul they brought in trick or treating. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, I got six whole pillowcases. For some reason, that was yeah. always a thing. I don't know if that's universal, but mm -hmm. everyone would always talk about taking pillowcases. Yeah. I was like, why don't you just use bags or something? But, mm -hmm. you know, that's beside the point. But one thing I always enjoyed doing afterwards was essentially playing poker or just, <laughs> just doing trades. With your with, siblings? With the siblings and with other kids at school. Yeah. Because some people would, like, there'd be some weird kid who really likes licorice. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you can have that. I'll just, I don't know, maybe I'll take your chocolate I'll take bar. your Reese's. I, whatever. <laughs> I would always, like, hype up Tootsie Rolls to my sisters. <laughs> I hated Tootsie Rolls. And they'd be like, no, like, oh, I really want to keep them. But, like, whatever, you can take them. <laughs> and then get their, like, Skittles or whatever. And that's where your negotiation tactics were formed. Yeah. The famous negotiation tactics. <laughs> yeah. I had a more, a different Halloween tradition because my family went to church and they did a thing every Halloween called Light the Night, which honestly, upon reflection, which I was doing for this episode, it's low-key more um, true to the original Halloween celebrations than what it is for like the average person because it's like traditionally people would come together, have parties, they would play games together, they'd do bobbing for apples, they would dress up and just kind of be together and make it a little bit more spiritual, I suppose. So what we would do is we'd all come in our Halloween costumes. No one would be spooky, I suppose. That's like a little bit of a difference from the average. But Halloween costumes didn't used to be spooky. They would usually be just like animals and stuff. So we would dress up and then we would have kind of what I described. All of the people in the church would like bring their candy and sit in a circle or like sit around the church and you could like go trick-or-treating to them instead of being out on the streets. Okay. And then we'd do like just games and stuff and it was, it was just fun. And then sometimes my parents would be gracious enough to bring us trick-or-treating before or after that little party. But I thought it was cool. It was a cute little community event and people like would always come because you'd get a ton of candy because like all of the old church ladies would bring their caramels or their fudge or their whatever they have and you'd get them. So it was nice. That sounds very fun. Yeah. What was your favorite Halloween costume you ever wore? I remember one time, I was quite young, probably five or six, and my mom just, you know how Halloween costumes just kind of happened when you were little? Like you didn't have too much say in them? Well, I didn't do Halloween until we moved to Canada. Okay. So they just kind of happened. So my mom was like, this year you're being a caterpillar. <laughs> but it was like, the chunkiest, like, foam caterpillar costume. <laughs> and I just looked like a cartoon caterpillar. Like, it had a trail and everything. So I remember that one, really liking it. When I was really little, I was a cow. Um, it was reversible. So one year I was a cow, and the other year I was a giraffe. Oh, nice. Um, pretty cool. And I was twinning with my best friend. And then I was a crayon one year. Very creative. Yeah. So there was a lot that I liked. What about you, Batman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if my... If any of my family are listening to this, they're going to be laughing because um, we just have like an in-joke that I was Batman every year because I just had this one costume and I think I wore it probably, it was probably only like four years in a row, but like that's a lot of time for a kid. So 
Yeah, I mean, I was a ghost one year. I did do the ghost with the sheet, and I, I thought that was fun. That is fun. Like the Charlie Brown style. Mm-hmm. That's cute. That's kind of what I was the last couple of years. I didn't really dress up for anything in particular, but if I had to, I'd go for the ghost with like sunglasses. Well, you're small enough that you can pull it off and just yeah. look like a kid, and you have that voice as well. I do have that voice. Like, do your, do your trick or treat like kid voice. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what did you say? Trick or treat. So you. <laughs> 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 you could pull it off and they'd be none the wiser, but with it's me, true. it would just be creepy if I was walking around dressed, <laughs> dressed Trick all in white. Trick or treat! <laughs> Let me in! <laughs> yeah, also, did you ever, like, think that you were going to be murdered when you were going... I guess you probably knew everyone in your town. I did. But for me, we were immigrants, so it'd be like this old woman, she'd be like, come in. And I'd be like, uh, okay. And I'd kind of look to my mom for permission she'd be like go in well it was weird that they would sometimes invite you into their homes yeah i don't know that if that's wasn't a rural standard thing. um but then once in a while they would and you'd be kind of sketched i remember one time they brought us to their basement yeah that happened to me as well and they like gave us chocolate milk when they got there and i was like i do really like chocolate milk <laughs> so it was good then i'd always be question like i'd be like on edge when you would get something so good that you're like they're making this irresistible, but they poisoned it. It's like the witch from Hansel and Gretel. Basically. Yeah, I don't know why. I think it was kind of part of the vibe, like the Halloween vibe, that things would be poisoned or there'd be something spooky Well, it's because they, there's always these, this um, PSA about, oh, people are putting razor blades in the chocolate. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about that to comment on it, but no, that, I don't know that always filtered down to kids, so yeah. I would always check. Yes. Just to get it more to our typical tone of criticism and negativity... Yeah. <laughs> In the USA, families spend about $6 billion a year on candy, mm-hmm. costumes, and decoration. Do you not want to know what the estimate is for this year? No. You don't want to know? <laughs> no, I don't want to know. Okay, close your ears. So basically, because Halloween was canceled last year, oh, no. everyone's like overcompensating. So the estimate for this year is $10.14 billion. $10 billion. $10 billion. Like, on candy. And disposable costumes and spiderwebs. I just... What? Well, it would be cool if it had more of a DIY aesthetic. Yeah. That's, a, that's something I feel about holiday, holidays in general. Make your own Christmas, make your own Halloween. So I know a lot of parents can't do this, but mm-hmm. um, I always enjoyed doing that kind of stuff in school. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in school we would do DIY Christmas and Halloween ornaments, crafts. And crafts. Ornaments. And that was yeah. very fun. I thought that was fun too. I always love seeing old pictures of Halloween costumes from like the 70s and stuff. Mm. They just crack me up because they're so like compared to what we're used to. They're creative and they're homemade and they're like paper mache masks and stuff and they're actually so creepy but like so cute at the same time. And it's like obviously not everyone has the resources or the time but it'd be fun if that just became a bit more standard and like oh, you don't have the time or, like, the resources? We'll help you out. Like, there's the lady who makes the costumes in the town or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Pumpkin carving also. Mm. Let's talk about that a little bit because I think it's it's a very cool tradition. Yeah. Uh, for my idea to make Halloween a little bit more spiritual. I don't know if we could somehow put a bit more emphasis on this. Mm-hmm. I looked at the, the origin of the, the pumpkin carving. Mm-hmm. And it's from, this like, this old Irish folktale about Jack O'Lantern and he made mm-hmm. a deal with the devil and he's wandering around with just a lamp. And mm-hmm. it's like that. But um, I don't think we need to exactly teach our kids every folktale from which these traditions mm-hmm. came. But what you just said about the kind of like they're lighting the night. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a nice idea. Yeah, I agree. It's like Halloween. It's a dark night. It's like cold. So it's like bringing in lights. Like yeah. that 
The Jacqueline friends don't need to be spooky. They can just be cute and like bright. I kind of like them when they're spooky. I like a little bit of edge. I think that's that's edge. why we like Halloween in general, actually. That's true. Because nothing else is spooky. This is a good transition to talking just about fear in general a little bit. Because there was a there was a day a few years ago. It was in the winter, so the sun set pretty early. Mm-hmm. And we were around our campus, but there was a power outage or something. Mm. And it was dark. Yeah. Like it was really dark. And I think all the traffic lights were down. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. And there weren't many cars. So we were walking around, and it was pretty much pitch black. Mm-hmm. And we were like, wow, this mm. is... Uh, because we'd been in the, the quote-unquote city for a while, so it doesn't usually get very dark there, even though we, mm-hmm. we both grew up in rural areas. And we, were, we said to ourselves, this is why people used to be so afraid of the dark. Mm-hmm. Like, light has made such a... Electric lights has made such a huge impact on society, and we don't even realize it, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't even realize how... Like, things used to be a lot scarier. Yeah. I'm going to talk about myself, because I'm probably more of a scared person than most people. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that, yeah. even though I'm afraid of most other things. I have a lot of nightmares. Um, yeah. I'm pretty much <laughs> afraid of the dark. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> I've, listen, I feel like I, most people are probably afraid of the dark to an extent. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying it. Um, <laughs> windows, mirrors, and sometimes sitting with my back to the room mm-hmm. where I don't know what's behind me kind of creeps me yeah. out. <laughs> I feel compelled to tell the story about the other night when you were like, what's the light in the closet? What was it? What's the light in the closet? And yeah. I was like, Aaron, the light's always in the closet. And you were like, because you were like half asleep. And you're like, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, here, okay, let's get into that. So okay. for October, I programmed us a month of horror movies, but mm-hmm. pretty much one a night, sometimes a double feature. Yeah. I tried to make it a really representative sample of the whole horror genre. So some mm-hmm. of them aren't scary. Some of them are just kind of maybe a little bit psychological, a little bit uh, creepy or mm-hmm. uh, film noir or something. It's all I, mostly to give us, or an animation, mostly to give us some rest. Because mm-hmm. I know that I'm rather squeamish, but you're also not very good with it, really. No, I'm not. So watching these before the night, before we go to bed, mm. sometimes can mess with you a little bit. Yes. So I want to talk about scary movies. Okay because I can kind of chart my growth as a human mm-hmm. through three scary movies, I realized. Okay. The first of which is an animation. I used to be a huge, well, who am I kidding? I still am a huge Scooby-Doo fan. Yes. So it's a movie called Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Mm-hmm. If you know, you know. Because <laughs> if you watch this one as a kid, you'll know it's not the regular Scooby. Even you've seen it now and as an mm-hmm. adult, and it's different, right? Yes. It's creepier. It's probably one of the creepiest bits of children's media ever Put out. I'm mm-hmm. going to say that. So I used to watch this. It used to be my favorite and my least favorite at the same time. And yeah. it's this kind of dichotomy that I wanted to talk about with regards to horror movie. We hate them, but we love them. Yeah. You know, like you, we feel the utmost aversion. Oh, I do not want to watch that. But also mm-hmm. this pull. Yeah. Like, I kind of want to watch that. But why is it? Previous to this month, I'd only seen like three or four horror movies or yeah. like this genre. And... I kept saying at the beginning, I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to sit down and watch these. Like, it's just going to basically burn these gross images into my head. But after watching so many, so many being like 20 at this point, it's like not all of them are gruesome, gross slashers. Some of them are just like, they basically like expose things. Yes. Which we don't know we're afraid of, but we are afraid of. Mm. And there's something fascinating about that. Yeah. 
Well, an example I have is we watched Alien, which isn't, mm-hmm. again, it's not really traditional horror-horror. It's more of like a sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. Um, but the design of the creature in it yeah. is something like, oh, when you see it, oh, I didn't know that was something that's in the back of my mind. Like, it's like a primal fear kind of. Mm-hmm. It's the, the strange shapes and the strange design. That, yeah. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. And I would say throughout all of history, the thing which has enticed people to watch theater to gather around campfires is fear Mm. and perhaps it hearing these stories makes us stronger makes us when you do go into the woods you have kind of conditioned yourself to not be afraid yeah perhaps those campfire stories which is modern day movies it was cautionary it was don't be reckless don't be boorish basically and right. end up like one of these creatures in the woods but it was also when you do go into the woods you feel like you can face the creatures if they appear you're right and with modern movies a lot of the things that really get me in them is when it's something i'm not afraid of witches the way you are but i am afraid of when there's basically a killer on the loose or something a bit more okay societal those yeah. really freak me out but perhaps now that I have watched these, I feel a little bit more, a little braver. I don't know. That's a good, no, it's a good, it's a good idea. Um, yeah. One of the few scientific notes I found, because there's a weirdly small amount of research done on the psychology of horror movies. Really? I thought there'd be a little bit more, but there isn't. Is that younger children tend to be much more afraid of, this might sound obvious, but younger children tend to be much more afraid of symbolic images, symbolic mm-hmm. stimuli, and adolescents and adults actually one of the things that marks the passing into adolescence and adulthood mm-hmm. is that you become more afraid of concrete or realistic stimuli, as you were just mentioning. Yeah. So less of the supernatural, more of the, mm-hmm. the serial killer. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of mini proof that I still have the brain of a child <laughs> because Perhaps, it, it yes. still is the witches, the vampires, the ghosts, the zombies that creep mm-hmm. me out much more than the serial killer movie. I feel like the way your brain operates is on a bit more of a symbolic level, but not in a childish way, but in a... It's how you process, like, the archetypes that witches and vampires represent. That's true. I don't think it's an either-or, I think. Yeah. Like, they they represent very real dangers to you. Yeah, exactly. It's not like witches just came out of nowhere, like, the concept of them. It's, like, Mm -hmm. malevolent creatures, basically. Or same with vampires. Just, like, malevolent people that exist. Yeah. I'm going to go back to Scooby. (laughs) Back to Scoob, okay. So, this was a time where I was such a Scooby kid that my parents bought me um, a bunch of Scooby-like related merch. <laughs> yeah. So this included, rather, again, rather infamously in my family, like a set of <laughs> wall stickers. And they, were, they weren't very creepy because they were from the original Scooby show. So mm-hmm. it was like the original ghost, the original phantom, the original... Maybe there was a zombie, but I probably wouldn't have let them put that up because I was so scared of zombies. No, that was a thing, wasn't it, in the story? Your parents have told me they tried to put the zombie up, but you wouldn't let them. Yeah, okay, well, that's what it is. But there were also, <laughs> so there was all, there was the gang, Shaggy, mm-hmm. Scooby, Velma, Daphne, Fred, mm-hmm. mentioned him last because he's my least favorite. And there were pictures of them, pictures of them together, individually, the mystery machine, mm-hmm. and then the castle. Yeah. And I remember, I'm a little bit muddy on the details, but I think what it basically <laughs> happened is they were putting them all up. And I would say, no, 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 to like the ones that I really didn't want in my room. No, I, don't, I can't have those images on the wall. <laughs> so they would be like, okay, fine. And one that was vaguely malevolent looking that stayed up was 
just this spooky looking castle. Yeah. And it was facing my pillow. So mm -hmm. when I would just lay there with my eyes open, just see it. Mm -hmm. And I remember this, this one night, the first night, it was, <laughs> the, yeah. the stickers were up. I couldn't look away from it. I was terrified, but it's like I couldn't look away because if you look away, you don't know what it's going to do. Yeah. That's what I kind of feel about horror movies, like mm -hmm. the allure with it. You, you don't want to watch it, of course, because you said, this is going to scar me. This is showing me something I shouldn't be seeing. This is very mm -hmm. impure. But if you look away, you never know. So yeah. when you know it, it's like you're facing it. You know what it can do. You feel like you're in control. Yeah. Nevertheless, though, the next morning, of course, after not sleeping, I just told my parents, that's got to go. Yeah. So <laughs> that had to go. I also remember I had a book on my bookshelf, which was like a, a fantasy book. But on the back of it, you know how on the back cover they show other books by the author? Mm -hmm. There was a creepier one. Yeah. A little image. And I think it was like a, a creepy face. Mm -hmm. So I would always run past my bookshelf in oh case the spine of the book, which had nothing scary on it, in case I saw it and it reminded me of that. Mm -hmm. So I guess I am very sensitive to, like, <laughs> to bad <laughs> images. So that was Scooby. That was me as a kid. And another childhood uh, scarring incident for me was watching Arachnophobia. Therapy session over here, yes. Well, yeah, that's why I wanted to do this. Okay. <laughs> Arachnophobia, as the name uh, implies, is all about spiders. Mm -hmm. It's like a guy goes into a jungle and there's, he walks into a spider web and there's, the spiders somehow make it, I think, through like fruit mm -hmm. packages into some small town in America. Mm -hmm. And then they just start taking over. Yeah. And that was probably the most screamy I've ever been in my life. I think I watched it when I was eight. And there's a scene where a spider kind of jumps out at the screen. Mm -hmm. It's like a jump scare, I guess. But yeah. at the same time as this, a spider fell on me in real life, or Daddy Longlegs, or yeah. maybe just an ant. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> myth, I, the, the myth of your family is that it was a, it was a little spider thing. Yeah, yeah well, that, um, that set me off. And yes. obviously, I've never finished that movie to this day. And it also crystallized my fear in spiders, which most a lot of kids already have. But <laughs> at that point, it was like, it's a, it's a big no-no. And yeah. then going into my adult life, pretty much never watching a horror movie since that. Mm -hmm. I think I was probably 16 or 17. And I was getting into the movies of Stanley Kubrick. And I said, I'm going to watch The Shining. Mm -hmm. So I watched The Shining. I did it in half an hour increments every night because mm -hmm. I felt like when you do it that way, it's somehow less scary. Yeah. Because you can say, I'm just going to watch five minutes and then I'll turn it off. And it yeah. kind of trivializes the things on the screen. You don't have power mm -hmm. over me. I don't have to sit here for two hours. Yeah. That's a big difference between watching movies at home and going to the theater mm. to watch them. That's one thing I've always stood by is my, I will not see a horror movie in a theater. Really? I mean, I get... Because you can't get out. A strange anxiety going to the theater anyway. Like, you know... We went to see Saving Private Ryan in the theater. Yeah. And I, like, I had to leave. Like, it gave me so much anxiety. Well, it's because you're more into it. Yeah. So that's one thing. Like, I will not, but I'll watch <laughs> them at home. Anyway, back to your... And the difference with The Shining is that I consciously said, I'm going to watch this not by myself, so I watched it with my mum. And that mm -hmm. made a big difference. And then we watched The Shining together. Yes. And now we're watching all these other horror movies together. It makes a big difference when you're with someone mm -hmm. else. Yeah. So I think it can be kind of a bonding experience. 100%, like yeah. You're, you're leaning on the other person. Mm -hmm. And even when I didn't watch something with my parents, um, I watched a movie this summer that I wanted to shout out called The Color Out of Space, which mm -hmm. is an, a recent adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft story. And whenever it would get a bit creepy, I mm -hmm. would kind of lean on literally my sleeping dog, mm -hmm. Sandy. Because she's just, 
you can't be scared when she's around, not no. because she's so protective, but just because she's so comical. Yes. So she was just snoring really loudly or like her mm -hmm. tongue would be going all over the place. So I'd just be looking at her kind of mm -hmm. halfway and that helped a bit as well. Yeah. So those are kind I've of like my watched. three spookiest movies. What do you have? Yeah. Um, I've never watched a horror movie alone, I don't think. Uh, I've watched the spookiest one was Zodiac, I think. And that's not even really horror. It's just a bit more psychological. How do I feel about horror movies? There have been a few that I haven't watched. Maybe that's probably the best or like that I've shut off. Okay. So maybe that's the best way to track my experience. Yeah, it definitely is. So Seven we watched together. Right. Couldn't do it. It was just too gory, too... It spoke too much to the... I mean, it was about the seven deadly sins, right? Yes, yes. Which is just something that scares me. Like those innate human desires of like murder or of gluttony. And it's like seeing them put to film was a bit too much. Mm. Like I'm sure I could have read Inferno and not been like. Ugh. Right. But seeing it is, is a big difference. So that, that's something I wanted to mention. We've never seen images before, like before like a hundred mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. We saw, okay, paintings, but yeah. there's a huge difference. Anyone knows yeah. seeing a painting compared to seeing a moving image that tells a story. Mm -hmm. And that's something like you kind of made the, made the equivalency earlier, you know, campfire stories, which are like today's movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it does hold the same place. Yeah. But when you think about it, it's wildly different in terms of what it can do to you. Yeah. I And what it can do for you, I would say. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched too many of these movies and I can't remember the names of them, but whenever I've watched movies about playwrights, like the Shakespeare movies or whatever, they always have that scene or like that series where the playwright is performing or having one of his plays performed and there's like something like jarring to the audience and they're like, this is blasphemy, you can't show this and it's like usually murder or something. It's mm -hmm. just like red scarves flying or yeah. what have you. But like that was equally terrifying to people. But now, like, from a young age, we're kind of exposed to these micro doses of violence. horror violence on the news or whatever. I mean, it's kind of infamous of everyone watching, like, the 9-11 footage when kids our age were, how old were we? One or two. One or two. Like, like just young kids basically seeing these things in the news because everything's recorded now. It's a good point. It definitely desensitizes us. Yeah. I think retaining sensitivity is incredibly important. We need society to be a bit more sensitive and empathetic than we are right now. So that's why you can be reluctant to watch horror movies. Yeah, that's I why that I still I, censor myself from watching certain movies. Yeah, you say, I know this will in a way strengthen me, but I don't want it in my mind. Mm -hmm. Are there any lasting horror images that you can draw up that you've seen from movies? Mm. Well, I guess going back to Seven, there were a lot of scenes in that which just are <laughs> burnt into my brain. Uh, what else? Another movie that I wouldn't watch was Winchester. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is like the cheapest horror movie ever, probably. No, it's not ever, but yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. But it was because it was so cheap that I was like, there is no value in watching this. But there was an image, you, you didn't understand why it freaked me out, um, of this closet with like nails sticking out of it. Okay. That is probably one of my biggest fears because I read a lot of books about the Holocaust as a kid. And naturally, well, it was it was my interest, I suppose, learning about it. And in. I think it was called Ellie, which was my favorite book for a long time. It was just a young a young guy, like when he was in the concentration camp and he was writing about it when he was older. But he said they went into like one of those gas chambers and there were like hooks on the wall. 
uh, I can't even talk about it, but they would, like, throw people up against them, and then they would die. And that, like, yeah, that, like, torture device of, like, nails basically in a closet just mm. scares me because of that image that, like, that's just so brutal. Like, it's so Yeah, cruel. it is. It's, anyway. the, it's the extent of, like, the human evil. Yeah. But do you think that, I don't want to misspeak here, but do you think that sometimes learning about things like the Holocaust, especially from a young age, mm-hmm. is a similar feeling to watching a horror movie? Perhaps, yes. Because, I mean, the way that the Holocaust is taught in schools, I was, as I said, interested on my own, so I read a lot of books on my own. So I had a bit more of a well-rounded understanding of it. But in school, it's taught basically just kind of from like a thrill standpoint of like, these are the stats, this is how many people died, this yeah, is how is. vicious people were. And it's, you need to have kids exposed to that. I think from a young age of like, humans have this in them and we need to not let people be performing atrocities. That's right. But... A lot of the people who are opposed to horror movies, um, often religious, mm-hmm. have, I think, usually the, the best interests of other people's in mind, mm-hmm. but they kind of misconstrue horror movies as a celebration of these ugly images, mm-hmm. these supernatural pagan um, mm-hmm. and evil forces but I think you can show things without them being a celebration. I think that mm-hmm. horror movies essentially serve as kind of a warning. Yes, and I think there's, it can be done well and it can be done poorly. And I think that's like the biggest, it, I have not many examples because as I said, every poor horror movie I've watched, I've shut off pretty much. I watched, I remember when I was really young at a sleepover there watching the paranormal activities and I just left. I was like, no. And same with, insidious like watch one of those it's like no because like you know when kids are young they think they're cool by watching those because they were just cheap and they were kind of just glorifying like they were making it cool and like trendy to kids which is like weird and I don't like that but a lot of the good horror movies are targeted at adults and basically have a message of like I'm trying to think like Suspiria is like an allegory to the political system happening at the time correct? Yes. and same with what are some of the other ones that are, they're usually like political critiques, but done through this kind of enticing, um, a bit more like visual yeah, representation. Yeah, symbolic. Yeah. A couple things I noted that I always like when horror movies have. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think a lot of like, maybe go so far to say is the success of a horror movie to me mm-hmm. relies on having these two things. One of them is catharsis. Mm-hmm. So when I say it has to be a warning, I mean like, the, yeah, evil ha- yeah. the evil has to be overcome at the end for me to like it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, um, that was a bit pointless and I feel a bit unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. Preferably overcome in a visceral, visual way. Yeah, Where that's we don't true. just see it kind of fade away, but we see our heroes overcome it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is a respite from the danger. I don't like when everywhere the characters turn, every single room in the haunted house, mm-hmm. everywhere is just unsafe. There's mm-hmm. evil everywhere. I like when there's some kind of sanctuary yeah and since i usually like to watch supernatural horror movies Mm -hmm. some kind of supernatural haven often Mm -hmm. a church is uh i i just find it comfortable watching that Mm because it's like in this universe that we're watching in the the movie oh there is some opposition of equal power to the seemingly Mm -hmm. so powerful uh villain nosferatu is a really good example or dracula Mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite stories and the christianity presence in the story is is just as important as the presence of the vampire Mm -hmm. 
What's your favorite horror movie? My favorite horror movie is probably The Shining, I guess, just because I, okay. I think it's, it's such a well-made movie. Mm. But also, uh, just a, a shout out to one of my favorite old horror movies. I used to watch a lot of these growing up, House on Haunted Hill, mm -hmm. which we watched probably the first movie that we ever watched together. Yeah. It's a very kind of um, low budget. Mm -hmm. You know, I, it's funny. We were questioning before we started this October month of horror movies. Oh, I wonder if old movies are still scary. I wonder how horror ages compared to other genres mm -hmm. because it tends to rely so much on either special effects or practical effects, mm -hmm. both of which can age pretty badly. Yeah. But I don't think it ages much worse than other genres, but when it does age badly, it completely misses the mark because mm -hmm. what was once scary is now just funny. Yeah, it's just humorous. My, do you want to know what my favorite movie is? Scary movie? Sure. Do you want to guess? Do you mean the one that scares you the most? No, it's my favorite one. Was it something we watched this month? Yeah. Um, you told me, but I forgot. No, I changed it. Okay. So I ranked them 15 days in, and Rebecca was at the top, which isn't a scary movie. No, Rebecca, that's um, right. It was Rebecca, then Alien, but I think my favorite is Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that was very creepy. it actually scared me. Yeah, it was scary. But it didn't make me feel disgusting. <laughs> because there was catharsis, like there was hope at the end. And it sucked because like we, I loved the main character in it, then he died at the end. I, I guess it's a spoiler, but I mean, the movie is very old. Yeah, and it's so, also public domain. Yeah. So <laughs> it sucks that the main character died, but throughout there was hope. Like he was just super, super competent and did well to fend off the zombies. Yeah, something that can be very frustrating. Maybe I'll include this as another part of my like things horror movies have to have. Yeah. Is when your protagonists are all inept. Just dumb. That's... that's that's frustrating. It might be realistic. I'm sure mm -hmm. we'd be just as essentially catatonic oh, yeah. in a similar situation as zombies. But this is a movie. I don't want. Mm -hmm. I don't want to watch people actually pee their pants. Yeah, I mean, we were watching one last night, and I kept getting frustrated because like the main character was just doing stupid stuff. Um, in the end, it was better than that. But yeah, in Night of the Living Dead, it was good because he was super competent. But at the end, it was like there's clearly a team of people who have the situation under control, and it wasn't. They didn't wrap it up like ten years in the future. Like it was. It was left with open-ended, but you had hope. So yeah, it was my favorite. One more thing that I wanted to talk about, I guess we kind of mentioned it earlier, like making Halloween a bit more DIY, is like just how <laughs> environmentally significant this holiday is. We both like pumpkin carving, but I mean, we ate a pumpkin for the first time, and you realize how much food is in a pumpkin. Oh, yeah. There's like four meals. Like you can make two pies, you can make muffins, you can make just fry the pumpkin. You can do a bunch of things with seeds. one pumpkin. The seeds. You can make diet of the shell if you wanted <laughs> to. But like there's so much food. So like that's just food waste. But also we were fortunate to live in a place with a good composting system, but very few places actually compost and it just goes into landfills. And then when pumpkins degrade they release methane. And there's millions of pounds of pumpkins thrown into landfills every year. Wow. Every year. Just millions of pounds of food just wasted because you wanted them as a decoration. What about those pumpkin growing competitions? What do you think about oh that? Oh, my gosh. Those, I didn't <laughs> even Have you ever been to one in real life? Have you ever seen a giant pumpkin? Yeah. Oh, you have? Yeah. They'd have them outside of, like, the prize pumpkin outside of one of our grocery stores. Oh, wow. Yeah. Disgusting as they start to rot. Was it bigger than you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Whoa. Was it have like you seen carriage? the ones where they make them into, like, boats? No. Yeah, there's like competitions where they grow their pumpkins and they make them into boats and race them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, 
kind of uh, gross. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I mean, I like the fair aesthetic. Yes, yes. The, the fall, the, the like, carnival harvest, aesthetic. Yeah, like the pie baking competition. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like the food eating competitions, it's a bit too much for me. <laughs> and one other environmental impact is the palm oil in all of the candy, pretty much. Oh, that's right. Uh, just burning forests or cutting forests, clear cutting them to grow the plants to make palm oil. Not good. Also, monoculture is just like really bad for the environment. So if you're getting candy to give out this Halloween, try and find stuff that's made without palm oil. There's a little badge that will be on it. Or just like... Or, I just, or just be that lame person who gives them an apple. Yep. Because then they'll, they'll stop coming. That's a good thing. Yeah. What was your favorite treat to get? What was the thing? Yes. Yeah, the chocolate milk. Chocolate milk? Yeah, there was this one house that would just give you chocolate milk. In a, I would order a carton? A carton, yeah. I never got that. It was just so nice. I used to love getting pop. I used to love getting Doritos. Oh. And of course, I'm a Dorito kid. It's, a, it's a weird thing. And of course, um, full-size chocolate bars. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, that's another thing about the candy. There's these tiny little packages with like four M&M's. There's no way that's good for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just want more candy for your per just visit. Give me the full size. It's better for the planet, please. Yeah, if you see like a five foot four ghost with a squeaky voice <laughs> coming <laughs> coming to your just door lock, turn and, your light and off. she refuses to take off the sheet so you can see actually how old she is, <laughs> don't give her any candy because you know who that is. One other note that I had, very topical because it's a quote from Dune, is uh, fear is the mind killer. And I feel like once you watch movies, once mm-hmm. you confront the fear, I mean, this is like a really common, commonly agreed upon uh, by therapists and psychologists. The most common strategy to get people over their fears is for them to voluntarily be exposed to it mm. gradually, of course. But yeah. that's kind of like what a horror movie is. Yeah. And I know you're saying you don't want to be too strong with this. Mm-hmm. But I feel like once the fear is out the way, we're free to confront things from a really rational point of view, which is mm-hmm. ultimately, how, for the most part, how we want to be thinking about these things. Yeah. And it, as you were saying, it does teach you to kind of stay on the path. Don't mm-hmm. go off the path in the forest because there are bad things lurking. I remember that what my parents would always say to me, this is probably like a common parenting tactic, when I'd be spooked after watching a TV show or a Scooby-Doo thing, is um, they just emphasize it's not real. You know, mm-hmm. imagining, imagine them with the cameras and the animators and a storyboard. Mm-hmm. And that would always, that would always help. Yeah. I know we've just watched a month of horror movies and a recording episode about it, but I still don't know how I feel about it. Just because, for me, personally, I didn't have these fears in the first place. But then when you watch them, they kind of give you, them. Give you the fears. Mm-hmm. So it might be a bit counterproductive in like the psychological like treatment of fears. So if you just have a fear of spiders, maybe watching arachnophobia would help or whatever, make you feel a little braver. But for me, it's like I didn't have a fear of serial killers until I watched a movie with a serial killer. Then it's like, ah, dang it. (laughs) Now I have to think about these guys sneaking in at night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's all my thoughts on Halloween. Yeah, um, wishing everyone who listens a happy and spooky season. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Bye.